This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Today's topic is inspired by the fact that just recently, Jesse and I celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. Can you believe it, Jesse? No. On the one hand, it seems like we've been married for forever because it's hard to imagine life before we were married. But on the other hand, it feels like, how has it been 17 years? Time is flies when you're having fun. Yes. And so we're going to be talking about romance and intimacy, 10 ways to keep the spark alive. But before we have that conversation, we'll start the show the way we always do with talking about what's saving our life and what books we're reading. However, I really feel like I need to start the show (laughs) with sharing that I threw out my phone two days ago. And that sounds really dramatic. And I wasn't trying to be dramatic, but it was hilarious because the day that our episode on how to break up with your phone, which was last week's episode, came out, I was decluttering some in the basement and I carried this big pile of stuff out to the garage to throw it out. And apparently my phone was in that pile. I didn't realize it. I threw my phone out into the big garbage can in our garage. Couldn't find my phone for the next hour. Looked all over, couldn't find it anywhere, retraced my steps. I really should have just done the little ding, ding, find my iPhone thing, but I'm a little slow right now. I don't think you know how to do the ding, ding on your iPhone because (laughs) you always ask me to do it. I don't know how to. I need to to show you how to do it. I know. I am very technologically challenged. I think that you were just trying to follow my footsteps. Yeah, well, so I really 
just broke up with my phone because I threw it out. So finally, you made the phone ding, and there it was at the bottom of the garbage in our garage. Did you have to dig for it? Uh, gratefully, there wasn't much garbage because it had just the garbage truck had just come. So there wasn't much. I'm glad there wasn't. It, you know, sometimes there's it's disgusting, yes. and there's like uh, not water, but um, uh, other, liquid, other, other liquid, <laughs> liquid at the bottom. And I was very glad that it was actually a decently clean garbage bin. But anyway. And there weren't any maggots on it or anything. I would be grateful for that. Yes. So I unintentionally threw out my phone and just really took that breaking up with your phone thing very much to heart. Jesse, what's saving your life this week? This year, you actually got me a gift for our anniversary. You said it like, got me a gift. I was shocked. (laughs) We should probably give a little history to how we celebrate anniversaries. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. We may have alluded to the fact that- You mean how we don't celebrate anniversaries? That we're not really the hallmark anniversary type of couple. I think the fact we celebrate our anniversary by remembering the fact that it is on a particular day. That's always a big deal when we remember it. Or when both of us remember it. That's amazing. It's like happened a handful of times in 17 years. Like the one year that I got flowers in the mail, or not in the mail, they showed up at the door. And I was just like, this is so sweet. Why did he just randomly send me flowers? And I was racking my brain to think, No, we didn't have an argument, so they're not makeup flowers or anything. And I was just like, oh, he just, he just spontaneously, randomly sent me flowers in the middle of the week for no reason. And then I opened up the card and it said, happy anniversary. I had completely forgotten it was our anniversary. And then there was the other time when we were at church, our little small church that we went to and Every week we'd have lunch and then we'd sing happy birthday or happy anniversary to, you know, the couples celebrating anniversaries or the people celebrating birthdays. And there were three January anniversaries that week and we all sang happy anniversary. And then we went to eat our lunch and you and I were sitting there eating lunch. And one of us looks and says, why does January 10th sound so familiar? <laughs> yeah. Cause something else was happening on January 10th and we're like someone else had an anniversary on January 10th because they had said that and we're like why does it sound so familiar and then all of a sudden it hit us (laughs) this whole time there'd been this big to do about these other three couples and their anniversaries and we had an anniversary that week on January 10th that we completely forgot about so anyway needless to say it was kind of a big deal that I remembered the anniversary remembered it well enough in advance to actually buy a gift and I bought you a gift. You did. Which neither one of us are really the gift giving type of people. That's not really our thing. Or at least you don't, you like to give gifts. I like to receive gifts too. It just depends on the kind of gift. And if it's a personal gift, it's something that I would really enjoy and mean that's when it means a lot to me i would say that you are hard to buy gifts for because you're very particular but anyway true 
Okay, so talk about the anniversary So you gift. got me a percussion massage gun. There's specific kinds of brands like a Theragun, but this is an off-brand, but it's a um, kind of popular in the physical therapy um, world, and I've been using it a lot. The kids have been using it a lot. We've gotten a lot of use out of it for sports, you know, sore muscles from working out, things like that. So you did really well. And I got the idea because at Christmas time, your parents had gotten it for your brother. And I realized this is a really good gift idea. I should have thought to get that for Christmas. And then all of a sudden I was like, we have an anniversary coming up. So I was able to surprise you with that. I was very surprised. Well, it makes me really happy. Not only that I remembered the anniversary that I bought you a gift, that it showed up in time, but that it's something that was really meaningful to you. Thank you. (laughs) I think it's rare that all that happens. So no promises for future years. For me, what has been saving my life is I'm getting back to drinking a gallon of water every day. If you follow me on Instagram or you read MoneySavingMom.com, you know that I am a big advocate of drinking water. And a few years ago, when I stopped drinking coffee, I started drinking a gallon of water. And I was drinking a gallon of lemon water and it was great. I felt so much more hydrated. I felt so much more energetic. It's just really was beneficial to me for so many reasons. But then I got pregnant and I struggled to get liquids down because all liquids, pretty much of any sort and kind, made me sick. So I was barely drinking enough water to make it by. However, since I haven't been as nauseous recently and water hasn't been making me sick, I have slowly been increasing my water intake. And as of this week, I am back to drinking a gallon of water and it makes me so happy, but it also makes me feel so much better. And I feel like it's also a really great thing because in pregnancy, especially as you get near the end of pregnancy, there's a tendency to become dehydrated. And so this is going to help to make sure that I hopefully don't become dehydrated. And then it's a good practice to just get in the habit for come once the baby's here and I'm going to be nursing because when you're nursing, you need to be drinking lots and lots of water. So I have an article that I wrote on how I drink a gallon of water a day, the specifics, because so many people are like, is that healthy? How do you do that? Do you just spend all the time in the bathroom? We'll link to that. And so it shares a lot more details and the most asked questions about how I drink a gallon of water a day. My book this week, which I didn't get to share a book last week because we had so much else that we wanted to talk about. But the book that I want to talk about, I had to choose between multiple books and finally landed on Killing the Rising Sun by Bill O'Reilly. I listened to the audiobook. Last week, I actually listened to Killing Patton by Bill O'Reilly. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I have been listening through the whole Killing series. Really loved Killing Lincoln. Really loved Killing Reagan. What's the other one that I'm missing, Jesse? Killing Kennedy. Yes, Killing Kennedy. And so all three of those, I, especially Killing Kennedy and Killing Lincoln, I don't want to say really loved, but found them very insightful and interesting. So Killing Patton actually fell flat for me. I think the Killing Patton book was definitely an aberration from his writing style. It wasn't as interesting at all. 
I just felt like it was kind of all over the place and it could have been condensed down. And I don't know, maybe just because I'm not as familiar with the story. I don't know what it was, but anyway, I didn't enjoy it as much. And I only actually gave it two stars when I reviewed it on Goodreads. But Killing the Rising Sun, I listened to it on audiobook and it made up for Killing Patton because it was fascinating. It's really the story of the end of World War II and the Japanese surrender. And it talks a lot of, I, I would say that the buildup of the book is dropping the atomic bombs. Mm-hmm. And there's so much history around that that I was unfamiliar with. And then also, I think it just poses a lot of very interesting questions and can spark a lot of great conversation Mm -hmm. because it's something that I've really been mulling over. And to think of the decisions that people made that impacted so many lives. And it wasn't just in that moment. It was for years and years and years to come. Mm -hmm. And so if you love history, if you love World War II, I think it is very, very worth listening to or reading. So again, that was Killing the Rising Sun by Bill O'Reilly. What have you been reading, Jesse? Well, we have been going through the He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth books for our uh, devotional times. We we had been doing this for, boy, two years or so. A few years back. A few years back, and mm-hmm. we, we stopped and we started doing something else. We decided to go ahead and this year to start going through those again, and we had some on our bookshelves, uh, this one that we're going through is what is the gospel. And, um, that's been enjoyable going through those again. And, um, it was, uh, interesting cause we started doing that and using that as our uh, devotionals in the morning. And they sent me an, a box with their new he reads truth Bible. And, uh, it was, so that looks really interesting. I'll be going through that at some point this year too. I think you had the She Reads Truth Bible Mm. and have gone through that. Yes. And I really like it. That's what I used the last few years, especially for reading through the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah. And also we just have to call out the fact that it was your first time to get an influencer. It was, it came with, uh, some single serve steep bags of for coffee, like tea bags, but uh, a local, roasting company has developed these tea bag like bags for uh, single cups of coffee. So if you're not part of the blogging world or the Instagram world, you might not know that when publishers release a new book, they send out to quote unquote influencers, these boxes, they're called influencer boxes. And usually they have the new product and then some other fun things to go along with it. And so I regularly get these boxes in the mail, but this was your first time to get your own influencer box that was addressed to you. So now now we're going to keep the UPS store busy with all your influencer boxes that are going to be coming in. All right. Romance and intimacy. So, 10 ways to keep the spark alive. Jesse and I have been just talking about doing this podcast episode. It was really inspired, like I said, because we celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary, but also Valentine's Day is coming up. And then next episode, we are going to be interviewing the Jacobsons, and they're going to be talking about loving your spouse well, affirming your spouse, romance, and all things marriage. So we thought it would be fun for us to kind of give our perspective, and then we'll interview them next week 
for a different couple's perspective. And I think we can learn so much from one another and be inspired by one another. So Jesse and I wrote down 10 ways to keep the spark alive. Jesse did five for husbands and I did five for wives. And we didn't give any input on what is on our list other than we both shared them with each other after we came up with them to make sure that, yeah, that works. But before we get to these, I did need to give one kind of blanket statement. And that is, we're not saying these are the top 10 ways to keep the spark alive. There are hundreds of ways to keep the spark alive. And it's going to be different for every couple. Mm -hmm. But we just want to share from our perspective some things that we have found to be really important. And we'd love to hear from you after you listen to these, what you would add to our list or Maybe you disagree with something on our list, or you find it a little interesting and intriguing that we would put that on our list. But let's jump into these, Jesse, and I'll let you go first, and you share your five ways to keep the spark alive for husbands. Okay. Well, first off, I thought of studying your wife, and the reason I came up with that was, honestly, as men, we need to know our wives and know what makes them tick. How can we love them well unless we know who they are you know and i think that one thing that has really helped our marriage is really the enneagram we've talked about that so many times here on this podcast but ways that i can know how you tick know what ticks you off well i was gonna say (laughs) sometimes when it's like what makes you tick i think that kind of has a negative connotation and more. I think that you're just kind of saying like your heartbeat and your, your pulse. Yeah, exactly. And knowing um, what makes you happy, what brings you pleasure, just knowing who you are. And that allows me to better meet your needs and to better be a better husband to you. Along with that, I'll move on to number two is to study ourselves as men you know, we need to know who we are for so long. You know, I had certain things that I believed that were lies about myself and you really helped me come out of that and believe the truth about myself and know certain strengths that I had and know what certain weaknesses that I had and being real about those so that I can use those strengths to be a better husband. Moving on to number three, putting your wife's needs ahead of your own, not being selfish, whether it be in physical intimacy or whether it be in other areas of intimacy, being willing to lay your own needs aside and to the better needs of, to meet the needs of your wife. And honestly, if I do that, ultimately my needs get met as well somewhere along the line. It's, but I mean, I can see how someone can use that and manipulate that, but wanting to do that wholeheartedly to be a better husband. Fourth is be willing and able to communicate your needs. You know, while you can put the needs of your wife ahead of your own, you also need to know what your needs are and you need to be able and willing to communicate those. And I separated that willing and able because I think it's hard as men sometimes to communicate what we need or what we want. I guess some other men 
it comes really uh, more natural to do that. But to be able to communicate it in a way that is understood by you as a wife um, is very important. And because really, what is intimacy? But it's communication. And I mean, that's honestly where a lot of these comes down come down to is communication and communicating well. I love um, intimacy. I've heard people say like, into me, you see. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if like you're peeling back the curtain mm-hmm. and letting someone else in to actually see your whole self. And I think that's what you're talking about yeah, here is definitely. really communicating and being vulnerable, mm-hmm. which I don't think for a lot of men is something that comes really naturally to just and, kind of share vulnerably. Now, right. some guys probably they're more ver- verbal processors and they, they do, but I think by and large. And that's why I said being willing to, to communicate, being willing to be vulnerable, to be open and just to make your needs and your wants, your desires known. And then number five is on the converse side of telling your and making your needs known is being a good listener. And, you know, that's something I've had to learn oftentimes the hard way because you like to talk and really you like to talk a lot, but knowing how to listen, not only just listen, but listen well. And I think that honestly, that really piggybacks on what we talked about last week with breaking up with your phone, because that's a big hindrance to me listening to you Mm -hmm. and listening well. I can physically listen to you or physically hear you, but am I really listening? And that's something I'm learning to do. Well, and I think like you talked about, for me, you being a good listener is the precursor to intimacy. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't listen to me and my verbal processing, then I feel like there's a lack of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so for men who are craving that physical intimacy, I think the willingness to have that emotional intimacy with your wife and recognizing that that often for her, that's like foreplay. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times men can miss that and miss that opportunity and just really being available to their wife to hear her well. Mm -hmm. And that can help her feel so seen and valued and trusted. It's funny though, because you told me that that was on your list and now I'm going to share my list. And the number one thing that I wrote down on my list, stop talking so much. (laughs) So yes, it's very important for a man to be a good listener, I think. And I so appreciate that that's something that you've really worked on developing. But I think for me on the flip side is I don't have to verbally process every single tiny little thing. Can you repeat that again? <laughs> I need to record this podcast here. And so to recognize that sometimes I can just talk for 45 minutes and at the end I'm like, what did I what did I even say? And so sometimes it's even challenging myself to say mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something. I wanted to talk to you about something. And do you have five minutes? And then literally keeping it to five minutes because I have a lot of words. I know this is not news (laughs) to you. 
And so I think that it really can help you if you know that you're not just going to be sitting there for three hours. Yeah. Well, and two, when you also preface what you're going to say with, I don't need a fix to this. Mm -hmm. I just want you to listen. And But sometimes I do want your advice, but a a lot of the times to tell you what it is, you know, do you have five minutes and I just need to share something with you Mm -hmm. or just need you to be excited with me about this, or I just need you to listen to me. I just need to vent this because so much of the time when I get it out, it's like it fixes itself. I know, and it drives me nuts. (laughs) So stop talking so much. That's something I'm working on. And with that, that's the end of the part. No, I'm I'm joking. (laughs) Secondly, care about what he cares about. If you want to develop a relationship with someone, a deeper relationship, be interested in what they're interested about. Even if it's something that you're like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand it. And I honestly and truthfully could care less about it. But if you care about that person, Mm -hmm. you care about what's important to them. And so there's many things that we have done together that aren't my cup of tea, but I've done them with you because I love you Mm -hmm. and I want to spend time with you. And so caring about what you care about. And I think also women tend to want the face-to-face time and the talking time instead Mm -hmm. of shoulder-to-shoulder time. And I think men really desire to just have that time with you. And so that you don't need to be having a conversation or fixing something or diving deep into some vulnerable discussion. Right. You just want to sit there and, watch a movie together or Mm -hmm. sit there and hang out and just be together or do some activity together where there's not a lot of talking going on. You're just enjoying one another's company. That reminds me like where they say that there's oftentimes that guys can go on long three hour road trips and never speak a word. And they're not worried about whether or not their other person is offended by them or what's wrong with the relationship. And I think for you, you just love it when I just am with you. And this goes to number three, be available and spontaneous. And this can be not only sexually, but also I think just overall being available and spontaneous for you that communicates to you, you are a priority to me. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes just dropping everything to go do something fun, to just be together, to just Spend time with one another and saying, my to-do list Mm -hmm. is not the priority. You are the priority. And again, that is definitely personal between you and me because that's not your personality to be spontaneous. You want to be planned. Spontaneity is good as long as it's planned. That's right. If it's carefully planned, I can be as spontaneous as I'm like, I could win the spontaneity award. So it's carefully planned, but in in some circumstances, the husband is that way. Mm -hmm. And so the husband needs to then be able to be spontaneous for his wife that may like to be spontaneous. Mm -hmm. So again, that goes to studying your wife and studying yourself. Number four, stop complaining and making excuses. Again, this relates to sex, but also to general life. Is your spouse the one who is hearing the negativity? And this is something that I've really had to work on recently in my Mm -hmm. pregnancy because there are a lot of aches and pains and uncomfortable things. And 
I don't want to be venting these to the world because that sounds like I'm complaining. But why is it okay for me to vent that to you? Now, on the one hand, I think there is a space for that. But if all your spouse is hearing is just, you know, they walk in the door and it's like you have a little laundry list of things that you've been holding on to all day long. Mm-hmm. They just want to pour at their feet of all the negativity and you just bent that all out. That is just not really going to make their day well, but, feel great. <laughs> well, right. I mean, you think about what is intimacy, but knowing the real person. And if that is the only thing that you hear from your spouse mm-hmm. is then negativity and complaining, they're going to think that's all that's in their heart. That's all mm-hmm. who they are. And it's going to paint a very ugly picture. So stop complaining and making excuses. Not only when it comes to physical intimacy, but in all of life, be available and spontaneous Don't be complaining and making excuses. And finally, I think this one is really important. As women, take care of yourself. Put a little bit of time into your personal appearance, whether that is eating better or exercising, getting a little bit more fit, whether that is getting your hair done, whether that is just taking a little time to put on a little bit of makeup or wear something that makes you feel great and that your spouse is going to love. Take care of yourself. It is a gift that you're going to give to your children if you have them, to your marriage, to your future. And I think when women just let themselves go and just become so preoccupied, a lot of times it's with the kids Mm -hmm. or with work, it doesn't communicate to your spouse, you are a priority. And I think of back, you know, in the early years of marriage or before you were married, didn't you put time and effort into your appearance? Didn't you care about those things because you wanted to be attractive? Well, now is the best time to also be putting that effort. And I'm not saying that you need to spend 45 minutes getting ready, but three to five minutes taking just a little extra time can go a long way. And it communicates to your husband, you're important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think the overarching theme here is communicating that if you matter, you have value, I prioritize you. Mm-hmm. And I want to communicate that to you in my actions and my attitude. So there you go. 10 ways to keep the spark alive. There are so many other ways that we could share. But like I said at the beginning, We just wanted to share 10 that came to our mind that we felt like have made a big impact in our marriage. And we'd love to hear from you. What would you add to our list? What has helped your marriage? What has helped you keep the spark alive? Do you disagree with some things on our list? Send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. We always love hearing from you. And next week, we'll be back with the Jacobsons when we'll be talking more about marriage, intimacy, and romance. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 